Be turning in your Bibles, book of 2 Corinthians. Today we're going to have a sermon on 2 Corinthians that's entitled, and I think you'll be able to identify with this title, that my life can be tough sometimes. You think that's true of you? Yeah. I thought of the students uh, getting ready to start school, you know, and uh, some of our teenagers have already started school. Life can be tough sometimes, right? Some of you guys out in the working world, your life can be tough sometimes, right? All of us in the uh, married and family world, you know, in spite of loving our wife more than we love anybody in all the world, being married sometimes can be tough, right? And wives, even though you think your husband is the most spiritual, wonderful guy in all the world, He can be a pill sometimes to live with, right? I mean, let's be honest. I know you might might be sitting by him and you don't want to be honest, but, uh, you know, go ahead and be honest. Those of us who are single, it's a pain in the neck to be single. Those of us who are married, you know, those of us who have a job, those of us who don't have a job, my life sometimes can be difficult. And we're going to look at different things that... The Apostle Paul says here in 2 Corinthians, because he says a lot about things that he's going through in his life and how he feels about different things and, uh, and uh, you know, his answer to some of those things as well. Let's start off in chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. So man, right out of the blocks here, he's talking about, you know, we have some suffering, we have some troubles and difficult things that we've gone through. Skip on down to verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt a sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Okay, now he mentions two different things here. He says in verse 8 that uh, we don't want you to be uninformed about the hardship that we were going through. And then he comes on down and he talks about, he says, we were under great pressure. Now let's have some audience participation here. What are hardships that people go through today? Financial. Health. Some relational problems, family, uh, maybe work relationships, uh, maybe neighborhood relationships, that kind of thing. You know, your neighbor's watering their lawn and it it annoys you, you know, or something like that. Their lawn is green and yours looks like, you know, it's not green Uh, and uh, and that kind of thing. Okay, so hardships, that that can go on. What What do people feel pressure about? He says, we are under great pressure. What do you mean? You mean your expectations? Mine and everyone else. Okay. <laughs> I would say your expectations you probably don't feel tons of pressure about. 
But you feel a lot of pressure about other people's expectations. Who are some of the other people in our lives? Our parents. Teens, you feel any pressure from your parents about your grades? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who else we feel pressure from? Our boss. Any of you have a good boss? <laughs> you feel pressure from the government. You have to pay taxes. Well, okay. What else do we feel pressure about? I'm sorry? Deadlines. Things got to be done at a certain time. Bills have to be paid on a certain date. Those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we got a lot of stuff going on right now in our world, don't we? A lot of social stress uh, and, and things back and forth. Yes, Laura. Pressure about uh, how we look physically. You know, am I a little overweight? Am I a little underweight? Am I a little over-muscled? Am I a little under-muscled? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. We, we worry a lot about being over-muscled, don't we? Uh, uh, we were really worried about that. Yeah, yeah, okay, go. School, an expectation from school. Homework's got to be done, tests is coming up, all those kind of things. So we have, we can have in our lives, even though we live in a very uh, comparatively easy place to live, in Southern California, in North America, in the United States of America, comparatively, uh, you know, an easy place to live, we still can have hardships and we can have uh, difficulties and, uh, and stress in our life. Now he comes on down and he says here at the end of verse 9, but this happened. Now this is him in retrospect thinking back on the hardship and suffering and stress that he felt. And, he, and he's, he's making an observation. He says, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He says, I now understand it actually is healthy in my life sometimes to have stress, sometimes to have pressure, sometimes to have a little bit of suffering and difficulty because I know that it reminds me to depend upon God, to rely upon God. Now I want to look at two different angles of what does it mean to rely on God. Look back to Matthew 26. This is Jesus right before... He is going to be arrested, and, and uh, he knows that subsequently after his arrest that he's going, to be, he, he's going to be condemned and he's going to die on a cross. He knows that's what's going to happen. And so he's in prayer here right before that in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. We're going to come back actually a little bit later and look it up at verse 36 and read that, but we'll come back to that later. In verse 39, it says, going a little farther, in other words, away from the, the guys that he came up uh, 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 on the, the area too. And he says, uh, He fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Okay, so sometimes relying upon God is doing what Jesus is doing here. Is he saying, I know that I'm suffering and that it's going to maybe even get worse in my life? Have you ever had that time in your life where you know you're at a difficult moment, but you're like, I'm pretty sure this isn't over. I'm pretty sure that I've got more to go. I've got some more difficulties to go through in my life. 
And Jesus knows that. And so he prays to God, and he says, God, if it's possible, take this away from me. Jesus is open, totally open to the idea of not dying on the cross. God, if it's your will, take it away. But he finishes the prayer with, yet not my will, but your will be done. See, sometimes learning to rely on God is learning to submit to God's will, which may be that you go through a hard time. You see, we want to believe that it's God's will that we go through an easy time. But the truth of the matter is, in Jesus' life here and in our life too, there are times when life is tough, it might get tougher. But it actually is there for a greater purpose in our life. You see, sometimes difficulties and hardship in our life make us better people. And there's no way we're going to get to a better place as a person unless we go through the difficult thing. And it doesn't help to go through the difficult thing fighting it the whole way. God, why do you allow this? God, why are you doing this to me? We need to submit to God's will just like Jesus did here. And say, okay, now I would rather not suffer like this. But then, but not my will but your will be done. I think that's what Paul is talking about in one sense of what he's saying. That he's, he says, we've got to learn to rely on God. We've got to learn to have a submissive spirit toward God and realize that hard times sometimes make us better people. There's a great little quote here, and I know a lot of you are taking notes. Write this down. This is an awesome one. Tough times pass. Tough people remain. Tough times pass. Tough people remain. Now you think about next time you're thinking about your life being tough and you're thinking about it's so tough that I can't make it. You, you think of that quote right there. Tough times pass. This will pass. Tough people remain. And one of the ways, ways that they remain is they learn to depend on God. Which means to say, God, I'd like you to take this suffering away, but if it's your will that I suffer right now, I'm in it. I, I, I'm good for that. I will submit to your will. Now that's one way we can depend on God. Look at another way though. Look at David in Psalm 18. Psalm 18, David shows us another way here of how we can depend upon God when we're going through a hard time. Psalm 18, beginning in verse 30. You guys there? I don't hear those pages turning. Some of you guys are still old-timers and have a Bible in your hand. You know, you're not old-fashioned or new, newfangled, you know, with all your new... whatever they are. Psalm 18, verse 30. David's praying here in this psalm. He says, As for God, His way is perfect. The way of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? Now look what he says here. It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand in the heights. 
He trains my hands for battle. My arms can build, uh, bend a bow of bronze. You give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn. Okay, now we're, we're still talking about this thing of how do we depend on God. He said this happened that we might not depend on ourselves, but depend upon God. We looked at Jesus first. And one way you can depend upon God is submitting to God, saying, God, I would like it to be easier, but if you want me to go through this, that's okay. The other way to depend on God is what David is doing here. David is saying, God, You make me incredibly strong. You make me incredibly nimble to be able to do things. You make me everything that I am. You prepare the path for me. In other words, he's, he's identifying with God, enabling Him to do whatever He needs to do. And the imagery here He uses is unbelievable. He says, You make my feet like the feet of a deer. I can do things. I can climb mountains. I can do things that I could never have done before. You make my arms so strong, I can bend a bow of bronze. Urgh! I mean, he's just, it's almost like in his prayer, he's, he's doing calisthenics. I mean, he's just like, man, I've got some guns here, you know? Sun's out, guns out, baby. I am powerful with God. And, and he's feeling that, and he's feeling how God can enable him and strengthen him. You, you, you prepare the path for me, you're taking care of me. And in all of that, what's happening? is a tremendous sense of confidence. All of a sudden, David has confidence. Now, it's not confidence in himself. He's not saying, I have made myself this way. He's saying, God, You have made me this way. It is an unbelievable difference of how well you can perform athletically if you feel confident or if you don't. Basically, if you feel like you can't do something physically, you probably are not going to do it. But if you go into this activity, whatever the activity is, if you go into it with a positive frame of mind, your ability to do it is much enhanced. That's why you have coaches on teams. They give pre-game talks to, to their athletes saying, okay, we're going to go out there, you know, we're going to kill them. We're going to rip their guts out, you know, ah, 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 you know, and all that, you know. Are you ready? Yeah, are you ready? Yeah, are you ready? Ah! And they tear the locker room up and go out and win the game. You know what I'm saying? But all of this is in this idea of Paul saying, you know, we were going through a tough time. But we went through the tough time and it taught us to rely on God. Rely on God like Jesus. Rely on God like David. Okay, let's go back to 2 Corinthians. You guys with me? Okay, let's go to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 7. Previously, Paul has been talking here about... Um, that basically the treasure of being a child of God. And he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now what he's talking about there is the physical body. His physical body. We have this treasure of salvation, having a relationship with God, being a child of God. We have this in jars of clay to show 
that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Now come on down a little bit further on in verse 16. As he continues talking about this whole thing, he says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away. Our jar of clay, our body is wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light momentary troubles achieve for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen, not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So he's talking about some difficulties they're going through. He goes through this whole thing of, of uh, you know, that the, the, uh, we're physical, we're wasting away, we're jars of clay. And, uh, you know, we all have that feeling at different times in our life. We're like, man, you know, I can't run as fast as I used to. I can't lift as much weight as I used to. I don't feel as strong as I used to. I don't feel as flexible as I used to. That kind of thing. Uh, you know, we, we have the thing that happens when you age. Uh, you know, your, uh, your, your weight uh, tends to uh, rearrange itself a little bit on your body. You know, you used to be real thick, you know, through your shoulders, and now you're real thick through your belt, uh, if, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, not to be too awful, uh, you know, as you go along. But he, he's saying all, all these things are going on in our life because we're, our salvation is in this, bo- this uh, body of clay that, that's going to go away. And in verse 18 he says, So we fix our eyes, and he goes on and he talks about, We fix our eyes. Peter, let's go read this. This is a great little story here. Over in uh, Matthew 14. Peter has a problem at one point in his life with Jesus of getting distracted and not being fixed. Fixing his eyes. Uh, Matthew 14. Jesus is walking on the water. And Peter says, hey, if it's you, uh, tell me to come on out. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 28. He says, Lord, if it's you, Matthew 14, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and he began to sink. So he loses his focus. Right? Paul says, we're going through this hard time. Our bodies are breaking down. And he says, we've got to fix our eyes. We've got to fix our mind. We've got to fix our thoughts. We've got to get focused here. Or the difficulties that we feel about life will overwhelm us. Peter here, fixed on Jesus, everything's going great. He sees the wind, he sees the waves, the whole thing shatters, and he begins uh, to lose it as he goes along. Now, young Christians, got some young Christians here today, right? Young Christians need to fix their mind on Jesus. Look over to uh, Colossians chapter 3. This is for young Christians. If you consider yourself a young Christian here. Colossians 3. Got to have a, a fixed mind. Colossians 3 verse 1. 
Since then you've been raised with Christ. In other words, okay, you've been baptized. You've been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. And he goes on. He says, yeah, if someone's a young Christian, they, they're coming out of the world. They're now in Christ. They've got to set their mind. They've got to set their thoughts. They've got to fix their eyes on Jesus. If not, the suffering and difficulty that you feel of life destroys your faith. Now, those of us who are older Christians, we say, that's exactly right. You young Christians, you need to get focused. Okay, well, what about older Christians? What are they supposed to do? Well, look over to Hebrews 12. What are older Christians supposed to do? Hebrews 12. Carlos, you ought to have this one memorized by now. I told Carlos to be focused on Hebrews 12 a couple weeks back. Have his quiet time every day on Hebrews 12. That's pretty good stuff right there. You do that, you know, you're going to be okay. That's why Carlos is so good today. Because he's been studying Hebrews 12. (laughs) Hebrews 12 verse 1, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider Him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is written to old Christians, not new Christians. It doesn't make any difference whether you're an old Christian or a new Christian. If you're going through difficult times in your life, what you have to do is get focused. What hard times make us do is get unfocused. We begin to think not about what we're trying to accomplish in our life, but how bad we feel at the moment about our life. There are people in this room right now, you are suffering. Your life is not going good right now. It is not what you want it to be. It is not what you envisioned or hoped for. It's tough. Well, remember the title of the lesson. My life is tough sometimes. Everybody has their moment, guys. When we're going through a hard time, almost immediately what we do is we begin to look at everybody else around us. Well, I'm going through a hard time. Why are they not going through a hard time? Why do they get it easy and I get it tough? The answer to that is I don't know. But I do know this from life experience. Generally, if you give life enough time, you reverse chairs. And they end up over here. Life going great. And you end up in a position where, man, life is tough again. It goes back and it goes forth. Everybody has their moment, guys. Don't fall for for this this, this demented kind of thought. My life is always tough. And somebody's life is always easy. We have a tendency in our life to feel this sense of, I'm a victim. The truth is, sometimes we are a victim of ourselves. Sometimes we might be a victim of other people. But if you ever allow yourself to 
Get the idea in your mind, I'm a victim, it's anybody else's fault, somebody else's fault, and I can't, you know, find my way through this. You're never going to get out of the mess you're in. You've always got to have the perspective. If I depend upon God, if I can get God, and, and, and me, you know, if we're on the same page... I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes. Philippians 4.13, if you know what I'm saying. So we've got two things here now we've looked at in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians. We've looked at the idea that we've got to hold on to God. We, we've got to uh, rely upon God. We've got to fix our mind. We've got to fix our thoughts the, when we're going through a difficult time. Now go back to 2 Corinthians again. We've got a third thing here. We actually have a third and a fourth, but let's get to the third before we get to the fourth, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 6. The Apostle Paul here does something that's, uh, I think, very therapeutic. Larry, you appreciate that word? Therapeutic. <laughs> and uh, it's something uh, actually that we need in our life. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. He says, We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, servants of God... We commend ourselves in every way. Now, and he's going to talk now about some of the things he's, he feels like he's going through in his life. In great endurance, in trouble, in hardship, in distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity and understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech, and in the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness in our right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying yet we live on, beaten and not yet killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making others rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. Wow! It's just like Paul just explodes with feelings. You want to know what we're going through? Let me tell you what I'm going through in my life. And it's just like he just... (laughs) Beatings, imprisonments, this and that, and hungry and all that. Look over to chapter 11. He explodes again. Verse 16, I repeat, let no one take me for a fool. But if you do, then receive me just as you would a fool, so that I may do a little boasting. Uh Uh-oh, here he goes. In my self-confident boasting, I'm not talking as the Lord would, but I'm as a fool. He actually says here, I know I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'll bet you some of you have had that thought in your life. And uh, he goes on down. He says in, in uh, uh, the end of verse uh, 21 there, beginning the paragraph, when anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool. I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. 
Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, and that has nothing to do with drugs. Uh, three, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Wow! Two different times in 2 Corinthians, Paul just almost just explodes. He goes off. He's saying, my life as a Christian at different times has been tough. It's been hard. And he details it out. I mean, he lays it out in, in incredible detail. I've gone through this. I've gone through this. I, this was three times. This was five times. I was a night and a day in the, in the sea trying not to drown. I mean, he, he said, I've been in danger from everybody inside, outside uh, of the faith. False people, good people. What do we see here? We see something that I think is very healthy. Paul feels like he can share what he's feeling. And he trusts that those who are listening to him will be able to hear, help, and not draw in a a, a bad way a bad sense of judgment. All of us in our life need relationships with people that we trust. We need people that we can go to and say, can I just be honest for a couple minutes here and have a 2 Corinthians 6 moment with you? (laughs) I I am frustrated. I feel like this is going wrong. I feel like that is going wrong. I tried to fix it this way, it didn't work. I tried to fix it that way, it didn't work. Uh, and, and, you know, and just on and on and on. There's a time and there's a place in our life when we've got to have friends in our life that we can talk to. And I've got to say, for some of you, I'm concerned for you. Because you don't trust anybody. Now, if you trust everybody... That's probably not a very good idea. (laughs) It probably is a short list of people that you really feel like you can tell them what you feel and what you think. But brothers and sisters, you need a short list. You, You need some people, some bodies in your life of people that you trust and value that you can sort of let it out. And many times what, I mean, just to gripe for the sake of griping isn't going to fix anything. But sometimes it's a relationship where you feel like, I want to share these things with you. Can you give me some insight? Can you give me a thought? Can you give me something in your mind? 
the Apostle Paul had these kind of relationships that he felt closeness. Look back in, in the uh, text here to uh, chapter th- uh, 2. He makes an interesting comment uh, about Titus. In chapter 2 and verse 12, he says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord opened the door for me, I still had no peace of mind. He said, hey, I went to, to Troas and, and things were actually going good. People were becoming Christians. There was an open door for me there. But he goes on, he says, But I did not find my brother Titus there. Titus is one of his best friends. So I said goodbye. And went on to Macedonia. Who's your Titus? I say again, who's your Titus? Who's the brother, who's the sister that you feel like you can really have a good talk with? That you can really let them know that you're not perfect. You know, we all go through this thing of, well, boy, I don't know. You know, if I tell them what I'm really like, they won't like me. My guess is they already have a pretty good idea who you are. You're probably not going to tell them anything that, that really they'd be shocked at. You know, well, I pretty much knew that anyway. But we need those kind of relationships where we can be open. Now, we're talking about your life is tough sometimes. And realize what we're looking at here of what Paul is saying. He's saying, learn to rely on God. Learn that, that you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. Learn that you need to be open with people in your life and be able to share the, the difficulties, good and bad, uh, that may be going on uh, in your life. And then this last thing that I, I want us to look at. Look over to chapter 12. This is right after, of course, chapter 11 where we, you know, he's sharing about all those different things. And then in the beginning of chapter 12, he talks about that God had given him actually a view into heaven. And in verse 7, he says, "...to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations." In other words, God you know, let him see some things into the next life. There was given me a thorn in my flesh. Now we have no idea what this is. He never details what is his thorn in the flesh. We don't know. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. So just like Jesus, Jesus prays, God, if there's any other way, yet not my will but your will be done. Paul three different times says, God... Please take this away. See, for some of us, we pray to God, and if God doesn't give us what we prayed for, we say, well, maybe there's not a God. Or if God doesn't give us what we prayed for, we're like, well, God doesn't love me. He doesn't like me because He didn't give me what I asked for. Sometimes God answers our prayer, no. We, we said, God, I would like to have a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> no. You can have a Chevrolet. <laughs> and when you get a better job, you can have a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Three times I, I pleaded 
but the Lord had taken it away from me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. I think basically what every one of us in, in uh, our life, we have to figure out is I need to do the best that I can do. And I think that's really what Paul comes to here. He says, God wants me to do the best that I can do. The great thing about life is that we are not really in competition with each other in any way for pleasure to God. God doesn't look at, say, me and Chris. He doesn't say, look at me and Chris and say, okay, I'm going to like one of them. God is more than willing to love all of us and have a great relationship with all of us. God doesn't expect Chris to do better than me. Doesn't expect me to do better than Chris. Matter of fact, what Chris does and what I do can be somewhat irrelevant to each other. The point is, I need to do the best that I can do. Best that you can do. Okay, now students, we've got school starting here. You need to make the best grades you can make. It doesn't make any difference what the person next to you is doing. It doesn't make any difference with the guy behind you, the girl next to you. It doesn't make any difference what your sister or brother is doing. You need to make a commitment to yourself. I'm going to do the best I can do. All of us in our life. I need to do the best that I can do. It's not competition with somebody else. Someone else may be able to do better than you. That's fine and good. They may be underachieving. They may be incapable of doing much, much more. My goal, my intent, my expectation is that God's grace is sufficient for me. My grace is sufficient for you. God is going to take care of me. I need to do the best I can do. I need to be the best husband that I can be. I may not be as good a husband as somebody else. I need to be the best husband I can be. I need to be the best dad I can be. I may be not as good a dad as somebody else, but I mean I need to be the best dad I can be. You understand what I'm saying? I need to be the best Christian I can be. Someone else may be a better Bible student. They may be a better prayer. They may be a better uh, 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 sharer of their faith. They may be a better uh, whatever. It's not a competition with the person sitting next to you. It's an expectation that you do the best you can do. And I tell you the thing, guys, in most cases, if you will do the best that you can do, you will do fine. And you'll be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did the best that I could do. For me, one of the worst feelings of life it's when I fail to do something and when I really look at it and when I really am honest with myself, I didn't do my best. I can live with getting beat. It's hard to live with quitting. It's hard to live. I'm just, here, I'm just being a moment of honesty here about me. I don't have to have victory at every moment. But what if I look at myself in the mirror and think, you, 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 didn't, you didn't have a victory because you just flat quit, Marty. 
That's hard to live with. But it's not a competition, guys. It's just you with you in a relationship with God to do your best. Your life, my life, can be tough sometimes. Hopefully these little sort of snapshots in 2 Corinthians are good for you to think about and, and, and get through when your life is not easy. Paul's life is not easy. Your life is not easy. My life is not easy. Let me give them to you again. Rely on God. When it gets tough, rely on God. When it gets tough, fix your eyes. Fix your thoughts. Get mentally, spiritually focused. Open up. Have somebody you can talk to and talk to them. And have that great attitude of, I'm going to do my best. Guys, bottom line is, tough times pass. Tough people remain. Hope this uh, sort of uh, snapshot study of 2 Corinthians is good for you and uh, uh, that you got some good things out of this for your life. Have a great day. And my D group, come on up here real quick.